0: a word of introduction before we begin today. My name is Father Bryce Sibley. I am a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette. However, for the past year and a half or so, I've been serving as a professor of moral theology and a spiritual director over at Notre Dame Seminary. And so it really is a great honor to be able to have been asked to to be here this weekend, I'm preaching all the masses because I am going to also be doing your Linton mission. And so Monsignor asked me to come to sort of give you a little foreshadowing of what we'll be looking at over the course of the week. Um, Monsignor and I go way back. We were both at the North American College in Rome together um, and have had a friendship now for over 25 years. Uh, some of you may remember that I was actually here in 2011 and preached the Lenten Mission. So I guess I was deemed good enough to come back about 10 years later. So it really is a joy to be here. Today, as we normally do on the second Sunday of Lent, is the church we listen to the Gospel of the Transfiguration of Jesus. This year, We are reading from Matthew's account. We all know the story. Jesus goes on top of Mount Tabor, mountain, the place of theophany, of God's revelation, and he is transfigured before his apostles. His divinity shines forth as he talks to Moses and Elijah, and of course, the voice of the Father coming from the cloud, the, the Shekinah, the glory that covers the top of the mountain. But what I want to do today is not so much focus on the theological nature of the Transfiguration, but instead I want to look at Peter's response. What Peter says in these two very, very brief lines and what they reveal about the Transfiguration, more importantly, what they can reveal or speak to us about, particularly as we look forward to the mission that I'll preach over the coming days. And so what is Peter's response upon witnessing the, the magnificence of the Lord's divinity shining forth this great theophany? His response is, Lord, it is good that we are here. He recognizes that there is a blessing to be in the presence of Christ in this very powerful an intimate moment. Why is it good? I'm sure there have been plenty of the church fathers who have reflected on this, but for me there are three specific reasons that it's good. Peter recognizes. The first, it's good because he has this opportunity along with James and John to contemplate the beauty of Christ's divinity. Just as we contemplate a wonderful work of art or a beautiful sunrise, but we're taken aback in wonder and awe and fascination at God's glory being revealed in Christ. So it's a contemplative moment. It's something good to receive the beauty and to comprehend Christ and his humanity and divinity. But it's also good because it's not just like looking at a pretty sunset. You're seeing God revealed in Christ, the second person of the Trinity made man. So it's good because it's also a moment of worship. Peter and the apostles are bowed down in worship, recognizing that it is God himself present in Jesus And so that's the proper attitude that we ought to have. That's why we're here this Sunday, to offer adoration, to offer praise, and to offer worship that is due to God. But third and finally, and probably most important, at least from my perspective for the mission, it is good because it's an opportunity to rest with the Lord. We know that the apostles had come from and are going back down to lots of work. People always want to be with Jesus, to touch Jesus, to hear Jesus. And so being away from the crowd is a moment of rest, to be able to be with the Lord and to be able to just enjoy and delight in the revelation of his glory. So this is all very profound and beautiful concepts of contemplation, work, uh, I'm sorry, worship and rest. But that's not all that Peter has to say. It's the next line that I think is the most important and the one that really jumps out at us. Instead of sitting here and just enjoying this moment, this gift that is given to them, what does Peter say? How about we build three tents, three tabernacles to spend all this time to remember and mark out this very special event? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What does this reveal? It reveals very clearly that Peter doesn't know how to rest. Peter has got to get to work. We got to start building something. We got to be productive. We got to get into a hurry and do this. We've got to stay busy. And so, why these words are so important? Because it reveals to us the attitude that all of us, including myself, and believe me, this Lenten mission came as a result of my Lenten practice to not be in as much of a hurry, to pay more attention. And to find more rest. We in our modern culture are like Peter on steroids. We, well, like Peter on amphetamines, we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to just sit still and be and to worship and to contemplate. We've got to always stay busy. We're in a hurry. How many times when someone asks you, how are you doing? Your response is, oh, I'm really busy. We're all really, really busy. We've got our our list of things that we've got to do, and we feel really good when we check them off. We're always in a hurry to complete some task to be productive. And in the times that we're given an opportunity to rest, we find that we can't do it. I'm sure many of you may remember about three years ago, That great two weeks, the best two weeks of my life, where the whole world shut down. It couldn't work. In the morning, I'd have my coffee, and then the evening, on the patio, cocktail hour, watching people drive by on their bikes, and we all said, this is so wonderful. It's like one big two-week-long Sunday. We're never going to go back to the way it was before. Well, that lasted for about two weeks after the lockdown was over. We're back to being productive to allowing, now particularly if we work at home, our work to flow over into our home life. We, as a culture, don't know how to rest. And the truth is, is that it's a disease. It's a disease, one that actually impacts our physical health. We're anxious, we have heart problems, we've got to take medication because we're so busy and worried and anxious all of the time but the real disease though it's one that i guess we really don't talk about is the spiritual one because if we do not know how to rest if we are always so busy and determined on being productive and guess what we won't know how to contemplate we won't be able to worship and we will not be able to just simply be restored and recreated in the presence of the Lord. And so this is basically going to be the theme of my mission. senior asked me to talk about how that we can understand better and get more out of the Holy Mass. And as I prayed and thought about it, yeah, I could give you a great talk about the theological significance of the liturgy, and we're going to talk some about that. But the fact of the matter is that the liturgy and the Mass on Sunday is situated within the greater context of the Sabbath, the day of rest, the day of the Lord. And the fact is, we are not going to be able to appreciate or understand the Mass if we can't appreciate its greater religious milieu. If we can't lean into the Sabbath, if we don't know how to rest, we are not going to understand the Mass. And so what we're going to do over the course of the three days is first look at that need of rest. What does the Sabbath mean and how we can practice it again in a way that the Lord has commanded us to? That's my real diagnosis. The issue, it's not that we don't understand the Mass, it's that we're too busy to be able to really receive the gifts that are present there. The next day, we're going to look also at the meaning of ritual and rhythm, and our ability to be connected to the world around us and our ritualistic worship, the liturgy that is connected to and springs from that. We as a culture are very disconnected from the world around us, particularly in our very technological society where reality is often mediated through a screen. So if we're not connected to the rhythms of the world, the rhythms of our culture, we're not going to be able to offer fitting worship in that. And then third and finally, we're going to look at the impact of relationship on the Mass. We are not called to just go by yourself in front of your television to worship. We are the body of Christ, and it's our interconnectedness and our dialogue with each other, it leads to an openness to our dialogue with the Lord. And so that's what we are going to be talking about, and hopefully it's something interesting enough that many of you will come back for the course of the Linton Mission. But at least today, let's to take that time as we approach the altar, sort of Mount Tabor itself, as Christ is revealed to us in the Eucharist. To take this time on Sunday, this holy day, to contemplate the Lord's beauty, to worship in the presence of the Eucharist, and to be able to find rest and delight in the Lord. Amen.